Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you, the Bauer and Rose Show. The Bauer and Rose podcast. We're available at Sirius XM on the Patriot Channel 125, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Give us a five-star rating and refer us to friends and foes. Well, Gary, um, hope you had a good weekend. Yeah, how about you? I did. I did. I, you know, was learning about this new word, genocide, and uh, watched some of this hearing, and I... uh, you know, it's not you know, funny. It, 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 no, it isn't. It's um, you're going to go off on this, and I, I thought I'd just get a word in before, yeah. and then I'll come back in about 20 minutes when you're done. Uh, I was just thinking that's, about this. ladies and gentlemen, that's called projection. <laughs> I was just thinking about this this morning. You, you think uh, you know uh, American feminism, right? And it's been very successful in many ways. Um, in you know, young women. Their horizons are greater. Um, they're more likely to get a good education and so forth. And, and then I'm, I was thinking about what it's producing in some cases. So we have a, a female member of the Supreme Court that does not believe she can give you an adequate definition of what a woman is because, as she told shock senators, I'm not a biologist, uh, to which I said, well, I'm not a vet but I know what a dog is. Um, so, and then we have three women presidents of major universities in America who appeared completely flatlined in a conversation of about how are you handling demands on your campus by students calling for the genocide of the Jewish people. And they talked like three lawyers no passion, not, even in the cleanup statements, they sounded like they were completely without any of the things one associates with femininity. You know, a heart, the ability to to have empathy, to project a little bit, etc. So, man, if this is the um, if this is what feminism creates, uh, we need to go back to the drawing board. They thought their answers, which well, were were heavily lawyered would play. They thought that that would get them over the hump in public. These weren't slip-ups. This is what they practiced before murder boards. And a murder board, for those who aren't familiar with the term, is how you prepare either a witness to uh, testify or more aptly in this circumstance, how a, a nominee, you've gone through it, I've gone through it, how a nominee would appear before a Senate or a House panel. These were, you know, $1,500 an hour lawyers that were schooling these three stooges on how to uh, comport themselves when these questions. Stugettes. Yeah. When okay. these when they knew these questions were going to be asked, they live in a world where they teach incoming freshmen that um, fat phobia is violence and misgendering somebody is abuse. They call free expression that you or I would express hate speech, yet genocide requires context. Um, everyone's opinion is considered violent, except those people whose opinions openly call for violence. Now we have no excuse, no excuse whatsoever for not knowing what's going on at these universities, what's going on in our academy. Just watching these, uh, our, I, 
uh, did a radio segment yesterday with our good friend uh, Sebastian Gorka, who calls it the Poison Ivy League. I think that's a great term. Oh, that is great. Um, watching this hearing, these are people leading the so-called finest academic institutions. We can get into the whole Claudine Gay thing. We know why she wasn't fired, because she is the poster child product for DEI. Um Harvard, the uh, Har- the Harvard Board of Governors, what it's called uh, the Executive Committee, um, members of the Harvard Corporation, which is um, the highest governing body at Harvard, met last night and reaffirmed their support for this idiot DEI product who's the president of Harvard. Listen to this statement that they issued late last night. As members of the Harvard Corporation... We reaffirm our strong support for President Gay's continued leadership of Harvard. She's thoughtful. She's kind. She's resolutely dedicated to the growth and well-being of our diverse community. Our extensive deliberations affirm our confidence that President Gay is the right leader to help our community heal and address the very serious societal issues we are facing. Do you is think a, she was born gay, or was that uh, her married name? I, I don't. I, I, <laughs> I just couldn't help it. I mean, no, just, I, what irony, you know, that uh, that that would be her name. Uh, holy cow! Uh, the, you know, there's also this appears to be credible allegations that she has a history of plagiarism. Yeah, but that's the least of it. I mean, I, look, I'm not defending plagiarists. I plagiarize Gary Bauer. Many times a week. So I will defend plagiarism here. This is a woman who actively invoked Harvard's Title IX training manual to expel uh, and fire professors who uh, didn't comport to her ideology. This Roland Fryer, the most popular professor at Harvard, who argued that DEI was was destructive um, and that social justice orthodoxy was an impediment to kids at these schools because they come out with resentment and bitterness. And those are not two traits that are regularly identified with success or happiness. The fact is you can graduate from Harvard knowing less than you did when you arrived, right? When you admit students on criteria other than merit, that's not the end of the road. That's just the beginning because when you have a student pool that was picked for reasons other than merit, um, you're going to have to inflate grades. You're going to have to water down content. You're going to have to change curriculum. Um, Look, Tom, that's just your truth. I mean, (laughs) Dr. Gay's truth is quite different. And you just need to open your mind and uh, be a little bit more tolerant. Um, You you know, it is important to point out, I I think we've pointed this out a couple of times, that uh, that President Gay and, and the others, or if you took the top 200 universities in America and brought all their presidents in, they're not causing the anti-Semitism on campus. They are a symptom of what's going has been going on on these campuses for years. They just the, the reason that we are focused on them is that we're seeing in all its Uh, horror, the product of higher education, that this is what we produce. These particular individuals are just staying on the campus to run the schools, but the people being educated in these institutions are going out to run companies, to run Hollywood studios, to uh, in many, in some cases, be the high ranking officers at the Pentagon. Uh, lawyers in big law firms, uh, scientists, uh, uh, George Washington University, we're now finding out, had a uh, panel discussion uh, earlier in the month sponsored by the uh, Center for Middle East Studies and the um, and a group on campus that represents medical students at George Washington University. And it ended up being uh, several hours of uh, of a, a, a pro genocide uh, forum um, with with 
people saying things like, well, it's important to realize that the uh, IDF's ultimate goal is a larger colonial project uh, that uh, that that aims to kill everybody in Gaza so that the colonial project of Israel can continue to expand its territory. I mean, this was being said on campus. And again, I'm left with, um, you know, I'm at that age where, you know, more things go wrong with your body. Who in the heck am I going to go to as a doctor? These are the future doctors of America. We're sitting around having this conversation. You know, Tom, it used to be said in America that, if you had a, a serious illness, you could not do better than to get a Jewish doctor. Now, that's kind of a stereotype, but it simply meant that uh, Jews can be very bright people and they're very meticulous and they study. So if a Jewish man or woman got through med school, you could pretty well make a calculated bet that that individual was going to be at the top of their game. I, you're left with the question today of who will Jews go to the doctor for? Because if you're a Jewish, if you're if you're on a campus and you're studying and you're a Jewish student and you're studying to be a doctor and these are going to be your colleagues. I mean, I can see a lot of people changing their profession. This this is it's um, it's beyond the university said, by the way, one of the was Harvard. One of them said we cannot cave in to this outside pressure, these right wingers. Well, the outside pressure they're feeling is coming from what is called Judeo-Christian civilization. The pressure they're feeling is from that still existent reservoir of belief about human dignity and the value of man. That's what they're feeling pressure from. And to the extent that they resist it, they will continue to make themselves hellholes, not educational institutions. And of course, the Harvard community, 700 professors, the Harvard Board of Governors, the executive committee of the Harvard alumni, they're all now circling the wagons around Claudine Gay. Let's just be perfectly honest here. Because she's a woman of color, you see that Liz McGill, before she was fired, had the decency to resign as president of the University of Pennsylvania. Of course, she wasn't fired. She doesn't lose a dollar in pay. She resumes her a tenured professorship in the law school. So she's not going anywhere. She just won't be president of the university anymore. But what we see at Harvard, I mean, this is the classic. uh, Why wouldn't Claudine Gay think that uh, what she said was proper, that her refusal to resign was proper? This is, these are people who have uh, profited, benefited their entire careers from DEI, uh, you know, calling for genocide, this was their argument, is fine so long as it doesn't cross into action. So we don't need to respond to calls for genocide until the genocide starts, which, of course, it did start on 10-7. They'd find some reason to excuse that. When, when people call for genocide of a people who were just subjected to genocidal murderers, I think we have to believe that they mean it, right? Now, just the the perversion, the destruction, the collapse of science, the American Medical Association, this is the premier medical uh, licensing and um, uh, the the licensing body for America's doctors. It's the lobby for uh, the American medical profession. uh, Now adopts an official policy that Gender assignment at birth shouldn't be made immediately by the doctors who deliver the baby. It should be uh, uh, decided upon by the parents at a time of their choosing. This is the American Medical Association. Which used to be called one of the most right-wing professional groups in America. The American Medical Association was always associated, broadly speaking, with with American conservatism. It, to the extent it got involved in politics, it took conservative positions. It now is taking positions that are insane. By the way, Tom, one of the mantras. Anti, so talk about anti-science. Right. One of the mantras is, uh, I've heard this said not by the AMA, but can it be far behind? You, you just said that, that they've taken the position that 
uh, we shouldn't assign gender at birth until the parents <laughs> decide later. I've heard demonstrators say to parents, you don't know what the gender of your child is until your child informs you. So they take it a step forward. The parents, the doctors have nothing to do with deciding what the gender is. The parents have nothing to do with deciding what the gender is. The child suffering from a mental disorder gets to decide whether he's one of the 52 genders or a, a pussycat or a cow or, uh, you know, what, whatever it might be. Um, so this is the, you know, this is the nihilism part of this. It's a weird, it's a witch's brew. It's neo-Marxism. It's uh, my truth, your truth. There is no truth. It's uh, there's no reality. Reality is a construct of the capitalist uh, fascist uh, world that tries to keep you in boxes. Uh, we are we are living in a time, uh, Tom, that it, it is hard to see how we get out of this cesspool. I mean, this is uh, it's a uh, uh, neo Orthodox paganism that we're dealing with. You've got this president of Harvard who can't condemn genocide, can't define what a woman is. Now, these aren't demerits. They're demerits to you and to me. But in her world, those aren't demerits. Those are the reasons that she's president of Harvard and will remain so. Bill Ackman, the founder of uh, Pershing Square Management, a billionaire hedge fund guy, a liberal a huge Clinton-supporting, Obama-supporting liberal uh, has really come to the fore, stepped forward, wrote this devastating letter to the Harvard Board of Governors, not that it did any good. They're, of course, now blaming um, uh, Ackman for uh, retaining gay, that their argument is that we, we can't, we can't, uh, submit ourselves to uh, uh, to being pressured by Bill Ackman, but he wrote in this letter that uh, Claudine Gay was hired strictly due to the school's DEI uh, initiative. She plagiarized, you know, numerous portions of her 1997 PhD thesis, which directly violates Harvard's policy on academic integrity. But um, again, that's not a demerit. That's the reason she's president of Harvard. The Executive Committee of the Alumni Association, they're going to stand by her. The Harvard Board of Governors, they're going to stand by her. The professors are circling the wagons. Uh, Meanwhile, in China, they're wasting all their time with science and engineering and math. And I mean, don't they understand that we've got a very serious misgendering problem going on in the world today? These Chinese, they're just, they're off, you know. They're off on this crazy tangent about uh, about patriotism and and uh, um, national discipline and and science and technology and math. Our only hope is that they keep stealing uh, stuff from us and that they concentrate on the uh, our leading universities, because maybe they'll steal some of this junk that are infecting the minds of the universities and bring it into communist China, which would be the ultimate Trojan horse, right? Like, <laughs> no, oh but my I'm, goodness, America has 52 genders and we only have two. We need to get to work. <laughs> why shouldn't these three stooges have, uh, why shouldn't they think the way they do when their thinking and their ideology and their worldview is what enabled them to reach the top of their fields. They've been rewarded for thinking the way they do. This is, they're all bubble wrapped um, in racial privilege that they then turn around and focus all of their efforts on the racial privileges of others when in fact they are, without question, the recipients of the of the most remarkable racial privilege that we see in our society today. If Claudine Gay was not a black woman, there is no way she would remain president of Harvard after this disastrous demonstration last week on Capitol Hill. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right, Tom. It, uh, you know, we, we've seen this pattern. It's very difficult for us to, to, to figure out a way to fight it. Um, so when the Black Lives Matter movement sprang uh, on America, uh, who's who's going to argue against that? Right. I mean, 
if if you said, well, now wait wait a minute, all lives matter, man, that was you you were you were a Klansman. How dare you? Black lives matter. Well, of course they do, but white lives matter and Hispanic lives matter and Asian lives matter. Why are you doing that? You're you're a racist. That's why you're doing it. You're trying to keep us away from the most important thing that black lives matter. So corporations fell all over themselves. Mayors of various cities fell all over themselves. Uh, and the BLM movement swept the country. And then in not that long of a period of time, we we discover that uh, in the schools, they were now teaching that all people of color were oppressed and all by, by definition, people, right? By definition, right, even if they right. weren't right. Yeah. And that all white Americans uh, were oppressors and there was nothing that anybody could do about it. This was the way the world had been organized. And so there, there needs to be action taken uh, to correct this. So white children, Caucasian children, and, and those uh, white agenda, like Jewish children and some Asian children, were taught that they were evil. And all minority children who, like all children, may be struggling with different things, were being taught your struggles have nothing to do with anything you can do anything about. The decks stacked against you. So it was, again, a witch's brew. And now we're fighting like crazy uh, to get it out of the schools and so forth. Uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I bet if you pulled those words, they would sound, they would come out like, you know, as popular as uh, Jesus used to be uh, before <laughs> the left way after him. Uh, so, um, but of course, in the hands of people like those three university presidents and the people who run these campuses, DEI just becomes another neo-Marxist vehicle for indoctrination, for race baiting, uh, for getting rid of standards, uh, uh, declaring war on uh, democratic capitalism, uh, Judeo-Christian civilization. And it is, it is so uh, pervasive, Tom. I, it, it's hard to imagine what the struggle looks like that would get it back. Now, for state schools that might take the position we cannot cave to outside pressure, well, state legislatures and governors, they are not outside pressure. I mean, governors and state legislatures fund these schools, the state schools, and um, and are you know set up boards of regents and governors and so forth, uh, different kinds of of uh, higher ed governments, uh, governing bodies. Uh, every state legislature in America that's got a conservative majority needs to raise raise this on the list of priorities. They have got to find out what's happening on their campuses, and and they may as well start with anti-Semitism because right now. That's something that decent people are not that confused about. They're, they're confused in academia. They're confused in the elites. But most Americans still say uh, hatred of Jews, calling Jews names, penalizing Jews or any racial or ethnic group. That's wrong. It shouldn't be done. It's disgusting. People that do it ought to be disciplined for doing it. So maybe that's that's the hook. Uh, we've got like, there's we have lots of leverage. All these all this hand wringing from a lot of the pseudo conservatives, two of whom we saw on a stage last week at a Republican undercard debate. We can tax yeah. we can tax the endowments of these places. We can stop giving them billions in research grants. We can look at the tax exempt status of uh, donations that are given uh, to these five hundred one c three umbrella corporation umbrella entities that run these institutions there's a lot we can do i mean i you know well, tom you just alluded to something did, did that go, i i i have to confess i did not watch this debate this past debate i i looked at highlights and i found out that some important things were left out was there an exchange on the debate stage about what, as president, somebody could do with universities that are, are wallowing in this kind of uh, sewage? Well, again, as I mentioned last week, the fact that I didn't watch the debate 
has not prevented me from having very strong opinions about it. I, I have no idea, but I know that we've heard both governors Haley and Christie talk about the fact that, okay. you know, and that criticizing and condemning Ron DeSantis for cracking down on some of the outrages uh, in his state, my state of Florida. I mean, this mm-hmm. is, you know, that's, that that's as good as, that's as good as it gets. I mean, you can graduate from Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Penn, Columbia today, knowing less coming out than you did going in. Everybody knows these schools don't protect speech they disagree with. They punish the speech they disagree with. This Harvard president presided over the ouster of these two very popular uh, professors for speech that violated this progressive orthodoxy. All you have to look at is their training manual under Title IX that says using the wrong pronouns, Gary, qualifies as abuse. The uh, Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, a a think tank that studies free expression on college campuses uh, studied and examined free expression or the level of which it's, it's uh, available at 248 campuses. Guess what number Harvard came in? 248. Dead wow. last. Guess what number U Penn came in? 247. Second to dead last. There's an inverse relationship between free expression and the grandeur of our greatest universities. Uh, Here's my prediction, and it's not a good one. I hope I'm wrong. My prediction is that these schools might try to mollify this fury, this outrage, by adding Jews to the classes that they deem oppressed which would be a terrible outcome. Yeah. It's not going to change the deeper rot of anti-American, anti-Western, anti-Judeo-Christian instruction. It's only going to make things worse by doubling down on this very self-destructive ideology that's leading to our civilizational uh, collapse. We need to root out this DEI crap that use race and gender and sexuality as weapons to enforce intellectual conformity, not add to it. It would be a huge mistake if we Jews fell into that trap and could be quote-unquote appeased by being added to this victim totem. That's exactly the wrong outcome. It'll make matters worse, not better. Okay, well, that you managed to make me even more depressed than I already am. Thank you very much, Tom (laughs) Rose. Uh, And there's still a half hour to go. Uh, Uh, No, seriously, do you you agree with that prediction? or Yeah. Yeah, I think that will be a uh, – in fact, uh, w- one of the m- members of that committee uh, did not ask a question but rather made a statement. And I did not recognize her. I saw it last night on somewhere on Fox. I don't know whether it was Republican, a Republican member. I don't think it was because she praised the three um, uh, university presidents by saying, uh, you know, I want to commend you for the work that you've done in the curriculum – on uh, on trying to help marginalized people, uh, I, I looked at you know the the list of courses and there are X number of courses uh, that are aimed at teaching uh, about LGBTQ history and uh, discrimination and so forth. There are a blank number of courses that deal with the the treatment of uh, of uh, of blacks during slavery and uh, the real history of America. I commend you for that. Uh, you you've done uh, you've got important uh, coursework dealing with indigenous peoples. Uh, they've been the target of colonialism. But I I was very disappointed to find out uh, on your campus I could only find two courses that dealt with the history of the Jewish people and how over those uh, thousands of years. They have been gassed. They have been hung. Their homes have been burned. Uh, and there's, uh, you know, that's all on your campus, just two courses. And one of those courses actually uh, uh, presents Jews as uh, the oppressor of other people. So there's only one course on your campus that um, tries to help the Jewish people the way you're helping all these other groups. And I could just, as I was listening to it, I thought, Good for you. And then I thought, whoa, wait a minute. So if there were 50 courses at Harvard that talked about, you know, how the the right wing marginalizes Jews, uh, that would be progress. No, that would just be expanding the list of of oppressed peoples. Right. Um, And and of course, you would have. Well, we'll see what happens, but it, it would not that would not be progress. 
I don't I don't know where I don't I wish I could say, Tom, that you're right, that I mean, are state legislatures going to tax um, the endowments? I mean, I, I would hope, but I don't see the same aggressiveness by Republican governors and state legislatures that we're now routinely getting from their Democrat counterparts. Maybe maybe this will light a fire. If this doesn't, nothing will, and we really are uh, finished. Uh, yeah, by, by the way, Tom, we've commented on this before. Uh, the, the growth of anti-Semitism in Europe has been horrific in, in the last 20 years, and there is di- a direct relationship between the secularization of Europe and the growth of anti-Semitism. As the number of churches in Europe declined and the number of mosques increased, the number of mosques, right? That's I'm sorry to say, but it's a fact that as the number of mosques go up, the number of neighborhoods in major European cities that Jews cannot safely uh, walk the streets of increases. Well, what is what is one of the most secular places in America? It's academe. You could put all of the professors at those three universities that believe the Bible and love America um, in a closet. Uh, And they would be locked up there because, like, the attitude would be, why are they here? Uh, Talk about a lack of diversity there. The, the, the whole diversity thing is a sham. None of these universities want more uh, conservative professors, uh, more uh, Jewish professors that support Israel, more professors that believe in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. They don't want those people to be anywhere near the student bodies on those campuses. They will do whatever they can to avoid that diversity from taking place. I just saw an article today where some guy at Westland, I think he's the president of Westland university. That's Bill. Said, uh, that's Bill Bennett's alma mater. Isn't it? Is it? He said, I, uh, I don't want those presidents uh, to be removed. I, I think that would be a terrible precedent uh, in caving into outside pressure. I think we just have to work harder. Now, I've been working on my campus with uh, my professors for a number of years now, trying to convince them that it would be a good thing if I hired more conservative professors uh, on the campus. And uh, I, I think I've actually convinced us a couple of them that that, that, that is true. This is how the president of that university thinks his progress. I, I've almost convinced a couple of them that somebody with con- conservative viewpoints and a conservative worldview should be allowed to teach at our school. I, Tom, I re- I've shared this with you before. I was asked to speak by the daughter of a mutual friend of ours uh, at the University of North Carolina uh, uh, on the subject of um, a school newspaper article that came out whose headline was, are there too many Jews? No, I think it was Duke. Are there too many Jews at Duke? That was the headline of the article on the paper. And and th- and this article was written because Jewish students on Duke had complained about a event that was going to happen on campus uh, that was uh, being put on by Palestinian groups that were associated with terror in the Middle East. And the Jewish students were going, whoa, that I don't like this. And I think the event might have been canceled. So the school newspaper writes a, uh, uh, a front page article, are there too many Jews at Duke? And, you know, the answer, the question I answered at the event that was I'm sad to say, very poorly attended, although we did have a lot of security. <laughs> uh, I think there was more security than there might have been, there might have been attendees. You know, that was the kind of headline that I would have expected at the University of Berlin in 1935. Are there too many Jews at the University of Berlin? And some guy at a beer hall would have goes, the answer is yes, and I've got a solution. <laughs> uh, let's just look at, the products, let's just look at what they produce, these great universities. I'm sure you saw this uh, Wall Street Journal poll that was published, I think it was Friday, 
of last week on college student attitudes, 90% of, and I, can't, I don't remember the sample, it was a couple thousand people, uh, a Wall Street Journal poll, 90% of college students currently enrolled today support the chant from the river to the sea. Less than half know of what the, it means. Yeah, could name either the river or the sea. Half. I think they probably think it's something to do with climate change. <laughs> the river and the sea are both being polluted. Right. Half had never heard of Arafat. 15% thought that Yasser Arafat was the first prime minister of Israel. Um, so what are they, what are they teaching? What skills do these kids come out with? They come out with resentment, bitterness, hatred, uh, 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 a total conformist, uh, rejection of anything that smacks of traditionalism. They can't condemn genocide. They can't define what a woman is. Uh, you know, it's, it's, and again, that's the, and the reward system the reward incentive structure in that system is precisely uh, toward that end. Everybody knows that uh, what speech is protected at Harvard and what speech isn't protected at Harvard. And the self-censorship that's going on is massive, which, you know, getting used to censoring yourself and keeping your views to yourself Again, Harvard is not doing anybody any favor, certainly not America. We don't want graduates of Harvard to be people that are afraid to speak up in America. I mean, this is this is about as far away as you can get from educating for liberty. Right. Of course. I, 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 I mean, the left is the aggressive force in our culture, in our society. Even their own language explains it. They call themselves change agents, conservatives, traditionalists. What are traditionalists trying to change? Well, we're stop. We're trying to stop uh, uh, our civilization from driving over a cliff. I mean, there's the the left is fighting a phony enemy. I, that's why they're always reduced to having to argue that that conservatives like us use code words because there's nothing obviously or overtly racist or sexist or homophobic or Islamophobic about conservatism. It's become, that's why they now have to um, uh, constantly manipulate the language to keep us forever on the defensive, them on the offensive they're pushing their agenda. They're pushing their change. They're the aggressors in our culture war, not us. It may have been, um, uh, uh, you know, forced upon them, upon us, but they're the ones that, that are constantly on the offense, and that's why we're losing our civilization. I, I just— um, Tom, I don't think—you uh, know, this all affects presidential politics. I don't think that— uh, I think most people will conclude that Chris Christie, well, they're already concluding uh, that Chris Christie and uh, uh, Nikki Haley, you know, people appear open to Nikki Haley. Uh, I, I, I don't know her well. She's I up 17 her. points because nobody knows who she is. It's just a name against Biden. It's a name that hasn't been sullied yet. She's, look, she's a very nice lady. She certainly would be a thousand times better than any Democrat, but she's not. She's an empty well, suit. She's well, just an, an empty, empty suit. And if she's an empty dress. Pardon um, me. Pardon me. I, I, you know what? I mislabeled her. I misgendered her. You did. And go to your room. <laughs> you will not watch any TV tonight. I'll slip a bagel under the door for you. <laughs> oh, a stereotype. Exactly. What a Jew hater. What a. <laughs> um, actually, a. a an empty suit or empty dress Republican president will not be a thousand times better than Joe Biden. We're in this fix because we've had too many empty suits and dresses in the ranks of Republicanism. People think things will get better if they elect one of us. And when they don't, when the trend lines just slow down a little bit, we get, it hurts us. People like, you know, ah, it's just not worth it. I'm dropping out. 
I'm just, I'm not going to be involved anymore. It, nothing ever changes. So, um, and, and I think on the, you know, on her willingness to war, war, war um, is, um, I, I, I just don't think that's what we need. Well, Tom, let, let me get into something that will blow us all up. Um, Hunter Biden. I, huh? Hunter no, oh, no. Okay. I, I, w- I just want to say before we run out of time that I am furious that Zelensky is here in Washington, D.C. Furious. Uh, we have given his nation $113 billion. He is coming here to essentially be used by Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer to browbeat Republicans to cave on our insistence that we are not going to appropriate any more money for Ukraine until the administration agrees to serious steps in the bill to secure our border. And do you know what their hold on? Do you know what their answer to serious steps to reform our border are? They've got steps at all. No, no, no. They're serious steps to institutionalize the lack of border we have now. They have. They'll come out and they'll say, we've got a border security provision in this bill. You're talking about the Democrats. Yeah. The border security provision that they have inserted into this bill, which Republicans. It's worse than terrible. It's more money to process illegals. It's more money to hire lawyers to defend illegals. It's more money to provide social services to illegals. It's more money, literally, it's written in there to advertise in Spanish on South American and Central American radio stations about how to obtain uh, uh not refugee status, uh, yeah, refugee status yeah, or whatever. Migrant, they, right? Well, that that they when they, you know, how to how to um, game the prepare system. their claim for asylum status. Yeah. Uh, it, it, that's their, you know, and they have billions of dollars in this bill, billions of dollars to to codify the current mayhem and lack of a border into a permanent. American fixture. It's it's complete, and they get away with it. That well, we've got a border provision. We've got a border provision, and you never hear any Republicans, you know, respond jumping down their throat by saying your proposal to the disaster at the border is to buy a bigger bucket for the leaky roof. No, I know uh, it's uh, <laughs> it, it it is it is so frustrating. I almost uh, got us kicked off of. Uh, a podcast because I was a word an inappropriate word was going to j- jump in there. No, it's, it's, uh, but, but my main point, uh, I don't know if you agree or disagree. I mean, he, he has to be following American politics. I think he follows it more right. than he follows Ukraine politics since he's banished or gotten rid of all opposition parties, essentially. Well, that's not, I, we, we can yeah. argue this. For, I knew that would get you. Yeah, we can uh, argue this for a different, you know, on a yeah, on a but, different but time. I don't blame is. Zelensky for coming here. As a matter of fact, as you pointed out a couple of weeks ago, uh, we've got a friend that lives in Jerusalem who might take a page out of the Zelensky playbook instead of constantly shoving his head up the orifice of our administration. Perhaps our friend in Jerusalem would be well advised to more openly uh, make his case to the American people, the American Congress, as to what's at stake in his war for survival. Uh, yeah, but there's a big difference, Tom. If Netanyahu making the case is not going to really have to require us to do anything that alienates the, the most loyal Americans that he has. Zelensky is coming here to be willingly used as a tool. That's right. And that is, in my view, giving the finger to conservatives and Republicans. Right. And it shouldn't be forgotten by the next Republican president. Right. My only point is that Zelensky is fearless and ferocious and will do what he thinks is right, whether or not it is, to protect or promote his country's interests. And I think... um, Israeli leadership is so terrified of uh, disappointing or upsetting uh, the administration that 
all they can do is uh, uh, wrap them in adulation and love and this 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 constant uh, congratulations uh, to the administration for really very mealy mouthed mixed messaging um, and, and 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 abuse behind closed doors. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no question about it. I mean, they're leaking now. Yeah, they're in the Israeli press today. They're they're leaking now Two senior administration officials whose names uh, weren't attributed. But I can guarantee you. Anthony Blinken, Blinken, exactly, and Jake Sullivan are the two senior administration officials that say, uh, well, you know, what's happening now is that Netanyahu's not serious about ending the war. He's only interested in his own uh, reelection. This is it's it's campaign BB as though Biden isn't in campaign mode. First of all, BB's not in campaign mode. I think he knows the writing is on the wall. He's we all know uh, when this is over, it's time for new leadership in Israel. Um but uh, they're now openly leaking against the government, which is, and it, by the way, it's a national unity government. It's not the Netanyahu administration. There's now a war cabinet. Bibi, there are three members of the board on this war cabinet. Bibi has one vote. The other two guys have one vote. And How many there are votes t- does Blinken have? Because he's in there during the war. war I know. It's unbelievable. It's, unbe- it's just, it's unbelievable. And they allow that to happen. I know. That's, that's, that's outrageous. They allow that to happen. Now, do you want to talk about Hunter? Uh, sure. All right. You uh, sound like you don't want to talk about Hunter. Well, no. I mean, there's just there. You know, I'm I'm glad, obviously, that uh, uh, that these additional charges were made. But it's a I, joke. The chart. He's being charged with not paying taxes on bribes. He's not being charged with money no, laundering I, I, or. If I if you would have let me finish the sentence, that's what I was going to say. Uh, yeah, and and. Uh, and and there's there's no interest apparently in finding out where all the money came from that he failed to pay taxes on. Plus, the timing is really remarkable because the House committee was just on the verge of requiring Hunter to give a deposition behind closed doors. And now, of course, he's been bailed out with this latest group of indictments. Uh, that where where his attorneys totally. can say totally. we can't possibly give it, and in, it, right the nine indictments. You know Joe Biden's name isn't mentioned. Jonathan Turley had a great line. He goes, uh, I saw him on Foxy today. Um, that these indictments are like arresting um, a bank robber for speeding after the heist, but not mentioning why he was speeding or where he was coming from. But he's been he's given a speeding ticket. Uh, after after robbing a bank, I, I want to know how you spend a million dollars on hookers, six hundred grand. I did not spend a million dollars on hookers. Six. <laughs> uh, well, Carol, oh, you're be... talking about Hunter. Like when you said, I, I, I'd like to know how you can spend. I, yeah, That's exactly. The kind of thing that can come back and haunt. Oh, me. absolutely. I mean, Carol's going to want to see the receipts on that. Six hundred grand on strippers. Here's the funniest thing. $200,000 on pornography when pornography is free. That <laughs> just shows how stupid he is. Exactly. Uh, look, I mean, it, it, there's, and Democrats, you know, no evidence, no evidence, no evidence. It's their, you know, litigious talking point on CNN and MSNBC. Um, well, the reason that they claim there's no evidence is because they refuse to see the evidence. They do whatever they possibly can to prevent the collection of any of the evidence. $30 million in foreign money, 20 shell companies, meetings, dinners, phone calls, texts, emails, letters, $3.5 million from Elena uh, Baterina, the wife of the mayor of Moscow, um, that transferred three and a half million dollars to Hunter Biden two weeks before Russia's first invasion of Ukraine back in 2014. And then while Joe was VP, remember this is 2014, while Joe was VP, somehow mysteriously she was left off the sanctions list for all the Russian oligarchs that were, that were punished the very next month, a month later, Burisma offers uh, Hunter a seat on its board. And guess who was in attendance at that meeting? Well, 
uh, Baturina, the wife of the mayor of Moscow. But of course, there's no evidence, no evidence uh, that that uh, Joe was in any way the one point six million dollars that Hunter withdrew from ATMs over the three year period or for Tom, any normal citizen. I mean, there were all these suspicious reports from banks to Treasury. If somebody was regularly going to ATMs and, and withdrawing that kind of cash, IRS would be on that so fast. You'd get a you probably would get a SWAT team knocking down your front door and be, you know, perped walked in your pajamas uh, out on the front lawn at three in the morning uh, after it was leaked to the Washington Post. Right. Uh, yeah. The, the, the double standard, it, 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 you know, in addition to everything else, it eats away at the fabric of our country, at the confidence that we have in the equal protection of the laws. We're just in a mess, Tom. I, th- I think I mentioned uh, at the end of last week that I was recently at an event that Tucker Carlson spoke at. And one of the things he said was that uh, in the you know, 12 months from now, America is going to be a dramatically different place. It's either going to be dramatically different better or dramatically different worse. We just don't know yet. But we should steel ourselves. We should strengthen ourselves. We should get tough because we are going to be on a 12-month ride that is going to shock us to our very core. And you've, you, to, to, to survive it, everybody in this audience and everybody that hears his words, you need to get stronger. And I don't mean go to the gym. You need to strengthen yourself the way free men and women can do that by always telling the truth, by grounding yourself, by making your family stronger, by growing closer to God. All the things you can do to make you a stronger American citizen because you're going to be going through uh, almost unimaginable times. I think he's right. Wow. You you, you really know how to, you really know how to, yeah you really know how to buck us up here Bauer uh, yeah. at the end of a show always always uplifting always positive <laughs> well I got an answer I got a solution don't bemoan it strengthen yourself you're absolutely right you're- absolutely right and one way to do that is to keep listening to uh, Bauer and Rose refer us to friends and foes give us a five-star rating. Make sure and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Uh, we're out of time, Bauer. Well, it was another uh, incredible show, at least 50% of it. And uh, <laughs> No, more like 87%. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, always enjoyed doing this, Tom. And, uh, uh, and to our uh, vast uh, listening audience, uh, uh, be strong. Um, and a stand for faith, Absolutely. family, and freedom. And, amen. Uh, amen, amen. Never, never, never give up. And to, and to Carol Bauer, all I can say is just let us know when it's ready, hon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you in a couple of days. Okay. God bless. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.